My desire to, to photograph immigrants was really to put into a, a public dialogue the basic tenets of our Constitution, uh, sort of a discussion, uh, so that we can uh, have a dialogue about free speech and who better to champion that than people that are coming from countries that didn't have that. That's photographer Joe Standard. And this is Artworks, the weekly podcast produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. I'm Josephine Reed. If you happen to have been in New London, Connecticut in 2006, you would have been struck by a public art exhibit in which 115 monumental portraits of its ordinary citizens were shown throughout the city streets. This was the New London Project and the brainchild of photographer Joe Standard. Joe, a highly successful commercial photographer, believed deeply that art could be a catalyst for community engagement. To that end, he founded the organization Portrait of America, through which he would create public art initiatives. The New London Project was its first exhibit and an immediate hit. It was eventually seen by over 700,000 people and drew attention to New London's young art scene. And just as important, it brought New London's residents together Suddenly, everyone was a neighbor. Standard has gone on to do similar projects in Hartford and Litchfield with equally successful results. And now, to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the New London Project, he's returned to that city with yet another public art initiative. We are a nation of immigrants. New London has richly diverse immigrant communities. And like many small towns across the country, its center has a raft of empty storefronts. Joe Standard decided this time he would focus his exhibit on immigrants and use the empty storefront windows of New London as his gallery. The result is astonishing, both in its breadth and its invitation to take a moment and reflect on the lives of those people. It takes a considerable amount of commitment and vision to put a prosperous business on the back burner and pursue the laudable, if uncertain, practice of public art. So what made Joe Standard do it? And why start with New London? My thinking was after 30 years of a very rugged, hard-paced advertising career, I wanted to do something that benefited other people or benefited a community. And because we have a house near New London, I'd gotten to know the city of New London and found it to be an exhilarating place. The the architecture is amazing and the people are equally uh, amazing. But if you start talking to them, they talk about it's a city of promise that's never realized. Certainly it was the whaling capital of the entire region years and years ago. But now it suffers from a poor local economy and a num- number of other deficits. And so I thought to photograph the people and try and reflect back to them the, the dignity that I saw in them and that appreciated as I talked to them. I was, I was really interested to see what what would happen if I took these dignified portraits and shared them with them. Initially, that was just take a picture of one person and give them a picture. And as the project developed and I photographed more and more people, it became uh, very much of a community event in that my little pop-up studio on Bank Street became a hub. People loved to come in and see the photos that I had put up on my wall, uh, sort of a, a growing gallery of portraits. And um, the discussion ensued about, well, let's have an exhibition. Let's share these with other people. 
and a couple galleries approached me and I thought that would be a spectacular thing to have in a gallery show but I really wanted to have the show where I'd found the people which is basically me wandering through the streets so we devised a way to have the exhibition on the streets as well as in the galleries. How did you come to be able to do that? I mean I know enough about city bureaucracies to know that takes a certain amount of doing. Even when you're offering to give them something, you just can't do it. Right. That is a very perceptive comment. It took really creating a cohort of people who believed in the project, who understood that a public exhibit could have a much broader impact the individuals, residents of the city, certainly, if done at a certain scale, could attract visitors. So they understood that tourism would help the local economy. So this group and I advocated to the city uh, and other groups to have this public exhibition out on the streets. And I went to the city governors, to the Lions Club, to probably 20 different organizations sort of presenting my case to the local tourist board who didn't understand public art at all. So it really was a work of passion and, and uh, belief that this work could make a difference to the city. It took about a year of making my case and at the same time trying to raise money to support it, which was very difficult, especially back then. People didn't understand public art. They didn't understand what sort of impact I could have. And I don't think they really did until it was up and they could see the tangible results. And if they came to the opening, they would have seen, you know, probably 2,000 people who had gathered for this. And where were the pictures? Where did you hang them? The sort of epicenter of the exhibit uh, was the train station. So there were two 30-foot-tall murals on the train station, uh, one of a submariner, and this is a submarine city across the river from Groton, sub-base, and a young girl who was on a skateboard. And it branched out from there. We had, in all, about 150 portraits, all of them at least life-size. So really, no matter where you went in the city, you were bumping into photographs. Of your neighbors. (laughs) Exactly, of your neighbors. And uh, it was a thrill. The people would describe to me an experience of seeing somebody they had been curious about and never had the nerve to go up and talk to. But seeing them um, there at a photograph, the barriers started to break down. That sort of worked across racial bounds and uh, uh, in religious bounds. People had a curiosity and, and were willing to take the risk of reaching out to other people. When you began to take people's pictures, what would you say to them? I guess I must be a very trusting-looking person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I basically just had fun. I would go up to people, that, and, I, and people ask me, what attracts you to certain individuals? And it's a hard thing to an- answer. It's, I guess, just a gut feeling that somebody looks interesting or has a dynamic look. So I would basically just go up and say, I'm a photographer. I'm involved in this public art project, and I would love it if they could come back to my little pop-up studio, which is a block away or three blocks away. In a storefront. In a storefront that had been abandoned before I took over and let me take their picture. When the exhibition went up, would you get feedback from some of the people whose portraits you took? Yes, absolutely. They just couldn't quite believe it. Everybody in the town was so excited. I mean, nobody had ever seen anything like this. 
and many homeless people that were involved, somebody was actually paying attention to them, honoring them through these photographs. So the response was, it was exhilarating. People were thrilled. People were bouncing up and down. They were telling their neighbors. Part of the exhibition was also at the Lyman Allen Museum, and we made, we made sure we invited all of the subjects and arranged for buses to get to the museum. So uh, people were in the museum who had never been in a museum before, and they brought their family, they brought their whole neighborhood. You mentioned part of what the exhibit did do for New London, and I'd love to have you talk about public art and how public art operates within a community and the responsibility, in fact, of an artist who chooses to do public art. For me, it was a discovery. It was a journey and evolution. I didn't understand public art when I started. I understood only that I wanted to take a portrait of one person and maybe change their self-view. So for me to go down a road where I was all of a sudden contemplating putting my work on buildings, in one moment seemed like the exact right thing to do in the sense that I was very purposely trying to develop a dialogue with my audience and with the public and to, to share the lives of my subjects with the public. And uh, you point out the responsibility. There were a lot of time putting the first exhibition together where I was just a little fearful. had no idea how people would respond. But in that case, the the whole city seemed to be with me as we were putting it together. And I developed such a network of helpers and friends that everything seemed to be the right thing to do. New London Portrait of a City went up in 2006. And 10 years later, you've returned to New London, but with a different focus. So when I came back to New London, I came initially with the idea of doing a 10th anniversary portrait exhibit, finding my subjects from 10 years ago. And when I started talking to the city about doing that, exhibit, a couple people came to me and said, you know, we'd, we'd love you to do that, but we'd also like to create a, a platform for you to do another project of your choosing and to put that on our storefront windows and help us deal with the, the issues that so many small towns in America have, and that is disappearing businesses and empty storefronts. And so we developed a strategy to do that, and I chose my topic of immigrants as as my subject. Why did you choose to focus on immigrants? Well, in the interim, a bunch of years, I've become very interested in the lives uh, of immigrants. My interest in immigrants really came as a, a traveler to other countries and seeing the hardships that many people live in in other countries and really focusing on what America has to offer and what the freedoms that we enjoy in America are, and my growing feeling that so many of us in America take what we have for granted. So my desire to to photograph immigrants was really to put into a a public dialogue the basic tenets of our Constitution, uh, sort of a discussion, uh, so that we can uh, have a dialogue about free speech, and who better to champion that than people that are coming from countries that didn't have that opportunity or that freedom. Were you aware of how many immigrants were in New London and the breadth 
of where they came from? Because honestly, Joe, until I walked through your exhibit, walked through the town, I had no idea that New London would be home to immigrants from so many different places. Right. Well, that's absolutely true. New London, I think, is very special in lots of ways, but they're culturally rich. They do have immigrants from, I I photographed them from 20 different countries. What's the population? Uh, It's 27,000. And 20 different countries. That's astounding. Yeah, and I didn't, I just scratched the surface, really. I could have gone on and on. But uh, the social life in New London is very accepting. And I think it's, again, New London is exceptional in that people are very welcoming and accepting of people from different cultures. And I see it practically every day. And, And people celebrate those differences. How did you find people? How did you ask? How did they respond? Because there's been a lot of a lot of pushback against immigrants. I mean, we hear it in the political landscape. Mm-hmm. And I could see people might be a little bit reticent. You're absolutely right. I approach my subjects in two ways. One, through the assistance of people like Alejandro Menendez Cooper at the Hispanic Alliance, who had um, fingers out into the community, all different kinds of communities. The Hispanic Alliance is not just Hispanic or Latino. It really represents the the broad spectrum of immigrants. So he and others like him were very helpful in in helping me find people that would be willing. And then I also just went to the local mosque and, and churches and community groups and started talking to them about the desire to represent immigrants in also a very dignified but also kind of a very um, intense way. I really just photographed their eyes. Use the eyes in the cliched expression, the eyes are windows to the soul. And I, I wanted to develop a dialogue between the viewer and the subject. And what better way than to concentrate on their eyes. And you can see all the difference. Uh, and you can sense the, the sense of joy or passion or sadness in people's eyes. And I think it's been an, an expressive and a successful exhibit from that point of view. When you went to churches, and particularly when you went to the mosque, how were you received? Well, I have to admit that I was a little nervous. I didn't know how I would be perceived or how my request would be taken, my request looking for volunteers. And I was lucky to make a couple of connections to mosque members uh, who introduced me to the, uh, the head of the mosque who was very, very welcoming and very desirous of being included in the project and to be a participant. I think they are understandably sensitive about how they're perceived, and I think they really are wanting to be uh, as part of the, the overall community and contributing members as they can. Now let's talk about the photographs themselves. You mentioned they're just of the eyes, they're on empty storefront windows. Talk about the size that we're talking about and how many there are and the map of it. Well, I designed the the exhibit to start at the top of one of the main streets, State Street. It's in front of the courthouse and the Guard Theater. There's a spectacular library with just beautiful stone arches. That's how people enter New London, through that intersection. So my thought was to have my leading portrait there with the eyes looking down into the center of the city. 
And then from there, I just went down the two main streets, filling up empty storefront windows. And they measure, on average, seven feet by about 15 feet. And, and it's of somebody's eyes. And they're just of, <laughs> they're just of somebody's eyes. So you can imagine it's a pretty intense encounter yeah. when you come up to the uh, individual portraits. From across the street, I think they, they're very engaging and uh, up close and personal. They really invite like, a reflective moment of wondering what that person had been through and, and what like shared experiences you might have. This show opened in the beginning of July. Were all the subjects at the opening... It must have been like the United Nations. <laughs> it really was. It was. I think we had uh, a growing number. We started at three or 400, and it, it grew as the unveiling of all of these different portraits uh, proceeded. The mayor gave uh, some welcoming comments, and I said a few words. That I had all of the murals covered over, and the, um, the subjects helped me unveil their individual portraits which was really kind of fun. And uh, the crowd that followed us from portrait to portrait uh, burst into a little applause. The subject would take a bow. It was, it was a, a wonderful experience. We mentioned the breadth of the places that the people you photograph come from. I was really struck by the picture of a woman from Tibet. Who is she? She's a delightful woman that most people in town know as the hostess at the Bangkok restaurant. She always greets you with a smile, and you don't think she has a care in the world. She came from Tibet uh, 14 years ago to build a better life, to get a better education. And uh, she is working long hours in uh, the restaurant still has never been able to return to her homeland to see her family. She's sending money back to support the, the folks at home. There are, are a number of hopes for this public exhibit. Tell me what they are. There's so many layers to public art ex exhibit. I guess you could start with the artist, me wanting to have a dialogue with the city, with the, the individuals. There's a bringing together of the arts community. Many of, of the arts community were part of this. So encouraging the arts in this region to grow and flourish. And they're taking important strides in that area. It's also developing the reputation of the city as an art center. So people from the region, as the, the press has learned about the exhibit, come in and the attitude towards New London is beginning to shift or continues to shift to becoming an art center. And then there's the dialogue about the subject of immigrants and immigration and celebrating their contributions to our country and honoring those that have really made great sacrifices to get here. There's one gentleman that I photographed who walked for 17 days to get from his little town in Mexico to, to get to the border and finally get through, and he's arrived at 14. He's now becoming a lawyer. The exhibition is not about illegal immigrants in, in many ways. It's about celebrating the immigrants who are here and our heritage as a nation of immigrants. What has the response been? The response has been pretty overwhelming. Certainly the first tier of response, people who live in the city. As I walk around, I'm approached by almost everybody I encounter with a thank you or, um, you know, nice work. I think they really appreciate the effort that went into creating this kind of an exhibit. It was six months of just solid, concentrated work, finding the individuals, getting the venues, and so on and so forth. The response has been just overwhelming. What originally brought you to photography, Joe? First off, my mother loved photography. And she was quite passionate about it. 
So that got me interested. But what really got me into photography was a political science class in college where we studied uh, parts of America from an economic and sociological point of view. And then we went and lived in the places that we studied. So, for instance, I lived uh, with a black auto worker in Detroit and worked on the assembly line. And I lived with a coal miner in Kentucky. And I uh, worked in the mines, and, and I lived with a, a hog farmer in Iowa, Harley and Florence Hicks in Scranton, Iowa. And I lived with them and worked on the hog farm. So mother had given me a camera to take along and uh, record the adventure so I could share it with them. And every city that I came to, I bought another Kodak hairstyle book and basically taught myself the, the rudimentary elements of photography. What appealed to you about photography? What did you love about it? I love being with people and photographing them and their environment. And I love the technological aspects of it, figuring out the f-stops and shutter speeds and then the darkroom and all that kind of stuff. Just kept following my nose all along. Uh, when, I got, when we returned to college, it's Williams College, I took the basic black and white photography classes and uh, just further fell in love with the whole process, picturing my environment. Found my way to Alaska and worked for the National Park Service photographing the landscape. We were off uh, photographing the distant, most remote areas and trying to figure out what would be a good park area. How old were you then? I was 25 and 6 when I was up to Alaska. That's sort of a perfect time to do something like that, isn't it? Alaska was an amazing adventure. Uh, I was so lucky to be able to do that. I went up to be a volunteer. I'd heard that there was this uh, opportunity and I arrived in Anchorage and the Park Service said, we're terribly sorry, we have our quotient of volunteers, but we can hire you. <laughs> so I that was my first job as a photographer. <laughs> Go figure. You have a career as a very successful commercial photographer. How did you develop that? I returned from Alaska passionate about the environment, but didn't seem to be that there was an opportunity for me to make a real living as a nature photographer. I decided to move to New York City and follow another passion of mine, which is architecture and design, and began photographing that for a number of different organizations. Of course, it took me several years to get, get my career started. Then uh, went on to start photographing for House and Garden, House Beautiful, Metropolitan Home, and then the commercial extensions of those home-related product, like General Electric Appliances or Sony Television and Viking Range became one of my biggest clients. We did uh, all of their advertising as well as their TV commercials, so I evolved into uh, directing TV as well. You did that for, what, 30 years? Yep, 30 years. 30 I years. Can't believe it by looking at me, can you? No, I can't. <laughs> Over the years since you started photographing, the technology in photography has changed drastically. How do you, that's your profession, it's your bread and butter, right? it's your art. How do you deal with those changes? Because they're monumental. They're, they are monumental. Uh, I bought my first camera in 1972 and I used that same camera until 2000. 
nothing changed. The, the films got a little better, you hoped, and the technology was, was the same. And then all of a sudden, digital came in, and everything changed. And it was a, a rocky road for a good 10 years as the technology had more promise than actual results. Uh, but slowly, uh, the technology really came into its own and matured, and the digital image became quite spectacular. And now I think you've got to buy a new camera every two or three years or you're left in the dust as camera makers make more sophisticated, better technology. The results on the city walls and windows in New London today from this exhibit just blow me away. The quality of the image, the detail from a 35 millimeter frame to a 20 foot long mural is, uh, is staggering to me. Part two of the 10th anniversary of Portrait of a City is you re-photographing, as you mentioned, the subjects of the first 10 years ago. Uh, tell, me, tell me about that decision. Why? Why, why not, I guess, is the answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, about three years ago, I was sitting in my studio. I was looking at some of the old pictures and thinking, oh my God, 10 years is about to come upon us. And it was such a celebration back then. People were thrilled, uh, the whole city was thrilled. And I thought it really deserved an effort to go back and explore doing a 10th anniversary exhibit. So I came back and I've been really overwhelmed with the response. People were eager to do it. Uh, it's been very difficult finding a lot of the subjects. But when I connect, they are just thrilled. It was like the, the original exhibit happened yesterday. You know, they come into the studio, it's slapped me on the back, they start talking about their experiences back then, they talk about you know, how their life has changed, you know, what's happened in the interim, how their kids have grown up, how they've grown old. There is such an immediate bond with these people who essentially are strangers. <laughs> but it's, it speaks to the power of photography to communicate and to build bridges. That leads so beautifully to my next question, which is I'm very interested in what you think about photography and art in general and the impact it can have on people's lives, the way they look at themselves, the way they look at their city. The power of photography really cannot be overestimated. It's an extremely subtle medium in that you can think that you're doing just, oh, I'm just doing take it, some nice portraits, but they, they have a huge impact on the viewer. And you can see it, another technology advances the iPhone and the selfie. And you can just see how people uh, react to seeing images of themselves and their neighbors, their friends. It communicates where people are today, what their dreams are. Uh, where they want to be in life or in the world. So to purposely use photography to build bridges, it's a very powerful tool. And as you pointed out earlier, it's a huge responsibility on the part of the artist to, to approach the subject with a sense of dignity and, and purpose. And the impact it has on the city and the environment in which the photographs or an exhibit like this is seen is immense. We've talked about it a little bit, but it starts with how the the individuals see themselves, and then it's how the city sees themselves. And we are a city of immigrants, we are a city of artists, we are proud of who we are, and it invites an improved economy. Studies have been done showing that visitors to a public art exhibit spend something like $30 per person. So if you have a thousand people visiting an, an exhibition, that's, 
a lot of help for the local businesses. So it's very much of, a, of an economic catalyst. And I think also, we've talked about this a little bit, the word democracy is always in my mind because I really see building bridges between people. Uh, I hope my work, and it does, I've seen it happen, people start talking to one another. And that is the basic democratic process of people sharing ideas, of building something together. It's a fabulous exhibit, and I'm glad I came here to see it. So thank you, Joe. Thank you. It means a lot to us in New London that you've made that effort. My pleasure. That's photographer Joe Standard. We Are a Nation of Immigrants is on display in New London until December 1st. For more information, go to portraitofamerica.org. And you can read an essay Joe recently wrote about the exhibit at inkct.com. You've been listening to Artworks. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.